0: Cambridge 105 Ray.
1: A track called Kip Lights from the film The English Patient. The spirit of the community outside my window amid this dark and weird chapter in British history, which has sent people's lives off in all kinds of unexpected directions in a short space of time and radically changed the way we live and work as we get boxed in and have to improvise, I'm Simon Burton and welcome to Arts Roundup, which will take us on a walk around a city cemetery about the only local thing you're still allowed to do to discover some Masonic artwork from the past and some famous poetry. If you live in the Petersfield Ward area of Cambridge, you're probably now taking your exercise sessions in part at least in Mill Road Cemetery – And possibly walking your dog there amid the beautiful blossoms balmy shades and history steep gravestones and possibly even admiring some several art installations by artist gordon young but taking a look at what's really there is an interesting journey in terms of history stone artwork and archaeology the very fact that the grade two listed heritage site graveyard was founded in 1848 In response to a grim need for the city during the cholera epidemic, which began in 1831, makes it currently topical in comparison. Cholera was imported from Bengal in India as its point of origin. Initially by sailors, it rapidly crossed Britain and inevitably hit Cambridge. The problems of infection and what to do with the dead was as real and unnerving then as it is today. In those days, as at present, doctors didn't know what to do to treat cholera to stop it spreading, and it also spread by touch and contaminated water, and isolation was key to fighting the contagion, which they initially thought was spread by its smell or breathing it in. But the graveyard has a lot to draw you in in terms of interest, despite its gruesome backdrop, and is maintained by a committed Friends of Mill Road Cemetery Group and the City Council. According to the CPBGC Minutes of 1844, the Victorians' energetic fundraising and building skills quickly transformed this green space into a consecrated working cemetery. Building started on the cemetery site in 1847, and thanks to the energy and preserving zeal of the Cambridge Parish Burial Ground Committee, it was consecrated by the Bishop of Ely the following year. During 1847 and 1848, the cemetery site was drained. Handsome and substantial brick boundary walls were built, and paths laid and graveled following Andrew Murray's plan. The areas allocated to each of the 13 parishes were marked by stones in the walls and by standing marker stones on the paths, some of which remain today. A small lodge was built to accommodate a porter, and as a place for readings during burial services, and a central area was set aside for the construction of a larger chapel when sufficient funds had been raised. On the 7th of November in 1848, the Bishop of Ely consecrated the land in an impressive and crowded ceremony, heartily congratulating the CPBG committee on the advanced progress of the work, which had had many difficulties to contend against and many obstacles to overcome. National school children sang the 39th Psalm, as the Cambridge Chronicle reported. The effect of the blended voices of the children beneath the blue sky and the presence of the venerable prelate and clergy and people assembled in the future resting place of the dead was exceedingly beautiful. It's divided into 13 burial sections, each representing a parish marked with boundary stones, and each contains its treasure in terms of interesting stone masonry and natural beauty, and it's a wildlife haven that occasionally spills out an urban fox or two into Norfolk Street, not afraid to sojourn on the grass outside the Blue Moon pub at times. In February 2014, Gordon Young, internationally acclaimed artist, installed his seven bird sculptures in Mill Road Cemetery, this work, which comprises of six stone sculptural pieces and a wooden seat, was sponsored by Cambridge City Council's public artwork scheme. They're all inscribed with a different bird, and Cambridge 105 Station interviewed Gordon Young at the inauguration of the bird sculptures in, on February twenty second, two 2014. The monoliths are made of beautifully crafted stone and engraved with work by some of the world's best poets, Well, Cambridge journalist Anne Garvey joined me at a safe distance for our exercise session walk. She sucked in some of the fresh air and kindly agreed to read for us as we went past each sculptural stone.
2: The reading begins with a poem by Andrew Motion, whom I think is very underrated despite the fact he was the poet laureate. He's come in for a lot of stick, but this, The Common Sparrow... And uh, he, he, in his intro, he says it was seen everywhere in Britain, in large numbers, I can remember that as a child, declined alarmingly in recent years. And the author found the poem by Andrew Motion on the subject. Motion prefaces the poem with a quote from another poet, Keats, saying, If a sparrow come before my window, I take part in its existence and pick about in the gravel, 1817. This is um, Andrew Motion's Sparrow. No longer country clubber, barn bouncer, hedgerow flasher, brand dipper, puddle bather, dust bowler, stubble scrounger, dew nibbler, creeper sleeper, dung dobbler, No longer city slicker, curb crawler, gutter weaver, brick clinger. Dotty mobster, sill scuffer, traffic dodger, drain clogger, putty pecker, car bomber. No longer daily greeter, scratch singer, pie ball shitter, bib bobber, cocky bugger, boss brawler, gossip spinner, crowd pleaser, heaven filler wing dancer no longer
1: sir andrew motion born on the 26th of october 1952 is an english poet novelist and biographer who was poet laureate of the united kingdom from 1999 to 2009 during the period of his laureateship, Motion founded the Poetry Archive, an online resource of poems and audio recordings of poets reading their own work. Uh, and, the, and these monoliths were actually put in by um, Gordon Young, who was um, an artist and sculptor, who, who, who um, um, did these um, art installations. But they're absolutely great. They're writing on, 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 on three sides of four, basically. Absolutely. I'm just going to take you over to um, uh, some of the gravestones which have been smashed. Because um, in 2019, some 30 of them were damaged by vandal, which was a really big blow for this cemetery because they, they had no explanation as to why they'd done it. And it was reported reported to the police, who basically have made an appeal, in order to say that if anybody spots people kicking over the gravestones, they should report them to um, Cambridge Police Station.
2: Quite right. Yeah. It's not something the police often do. They're not terribly fond of people being dobbed in but I think in this case it's such a, a such an egregious and really f- pointless
1: yeah you're yeah, um, I mean, a beautiful community asset like this in Cambridge um, I think it's a um, it's a tragedy that people want to um, spoil it for other people because you know. I mean, it, it's it's got 180 years worth of history, and as you can see, I mean, there there was something like um, 21 stonemasons involved in creating all of these gravestones, which uh, some of them are artistically very beautiful. They have lovely artwork and inscriptions on all of them, and it's great calligraphy. I mean, if you look at a lot of them, they're they're, they're very nice. And um, and what we're going to do in a short while is we're going to go and explore some of the little corners of the graveyard.
2: Because it's not just a a, um, war memorial style, everything in rows type of place. It's it's already, looking around, got some mysterious corners.
1: Because of the way the graveyard is laid out, basically they're are something like, I think it's 14 different parish areas in the space of this cemetery. And they're all marked by boundary stones. So basically it was founded in 1848 and they split it up between the various parishes. So what you had was this Gothic chapel in the middle of the whole graveyard and then the different areas where you could be buried, depending on which parish you came from. This is a typical example of the damage to a gravestone. Just look at this oh gosh
2: it's just been upended and split you'd have to be pretty strong to do all this but I
1: you'd have to be extremely strong to do that to lift up an enormous piece of stone like that and then crash it to the ground and it smashed the cross on the top of it which is
2: this was this is probably not reparable
1: they're trying to raise funds in order to um, repair all the, all the gravestones that were damaged, yeah. Um, with a bit of luck, it will be reparable in some way. But let's go over to the next stone.
2: Oh, absolutely. Now, these paths, I don't think many people know this, but I'm very pleased to see that, although they've been recently installed, um, Simon, and I just happen to know that they're made of a covering called hoggin, and it's a natural clay-based, permeable, country uh, uh, um, sort of surface that's very good for absorbing rain and perfect for this setting. So often you find a council come in, you know, barrelling in and putting down masses of, of uh, tarmac in a natural place like this, whereas here some sensitive soul has installed the traditional Hoggin route
1: Now, it's actually possible, if you look at the configurations of the paths that go across the graveyard which is, I mean, it's absolutely full of wildlife. You can hear all the birdsong, you can see the the robins, the the squirrels and all the other beautiful creatures. And then all of this wonderful flower, flowers are, are arriving everywhere, which gives it this wonderfully balmy summer feel. Uh, it's a place to um, uh, spend some time, especially under the lockdown, because um, everyone needs to get out and have a little bit of exercise, don't they?
2: It's so good. And I think, as you so rightly say, However long this lockdown is going on, it's going to pull. And just walking up and down streets is not food for the soul, is it at all? I mean, coming here, you can walk and do your
1: thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you look at the layout of the graveyard, basically it has, you know, it has a path that goes all, all the way around circularly and then it has the paths that go through the middle um, and meet at the chapel. But you can actually, using the paths that actually exist in it, you can traverse it in 30 or 40 ways. So if you go out for a walk, even in this, in, in this geographically quite small area, because there are so many trees and so many pathways, you can actually have a long, um, ambling walk um, around it. If you um, psychologically kind of plan your route through, so you can, you can crisscross it, you can go around it, you can explore lots of different areas in the graveyard. OK, let's go over to the next um, sculpture. So um, the crow is over here. So, and there are dozens of varieties of trees here. Obviously, you've got absolutely masses of different kinds of trees. Here's crow, which is um, a very thin monolith um, by a pine tree. And um, perhaps you could read that one out for us, Anne. Yeah.
2: My Crow by Raymond Carver. A crow flew into the tree outside my window. It was not Ted Hughes' crow, or Galway's crow, or Frost's, Pasternak's, or Lorca's crow, or one of Homer's crows stuffed with gore after the battle. This was just a crow that never fit in anywhere in its life or did anything worth mentioning. It sat there on the branch for a few minutes, then picked up and flew beautifully out of my life.
1: Great stuff. Raymond Clevey Carver, Jr., 25th of May 1938 to the August 2nd, 1988, was an American short story writer and poet. He was considered to be among America's greatest writers. Okay, so I'm just going to show you a little discovery which I've made around here. Um, As you can see, you have these these wonderful things like... um, celtic crosses now that's an absolutely giant piece of stone isn't it i mean it's a good what would you say it's eight feet tall um and must weigh an absolute ton and ornately decorated um in every way with all all of that gilding and beautiful things on it um um, but um if you you know looking around at these huge stone chests and things like that we'll, we'll put in and it is slightly romantic don't you think i
2: think it's very romantic i think it's very romantic and this corner well found, Simon, perhaps listeners will find it when they come around. It's, it's very magical. Hmm. Certainly knocks spots off the Highgate Cemetery. You've got this enormous Celtic cross. You know, they're the cross installed on a circle. Atop this sort of massive obelisk. I think that's the word.
1: Uh, And there are things like statues and there's a little statue missing its head over here which is um, very interesting as part of I mean, this looks as though it's come off a grave um, and, and been posited here for um, safekeeping. But um, it's obviously a, a statue of a woman um, with holding something in her, uh, some kind of plaque or something in her hand and uh, missing its head. Um, and uh, the other thing you find around here is these kind of stone um, classical pillars and things like that, which are just kind of like this, are kind of discarded to one side. And you, you wonder where on earth they came from, wh- which grave they came from, why they're here. Um, but there they are sitting sort of in the grass um, half to one side and covered in ivy um, and then you've got all this wildlife jumping all over it like squirrels and things like that um, and I, I find that um, when the, the graveyard comes out into this tremendous bloom um, you see um, all these birds and things um, enjoying um, the, the natural setting and then you have this sort of romanticism of all of, of these historical um, graves with all the artwork that's on them which actually makes it a, a, a tremendously um, rich and rewarding Boarding place to come and walk. It
2: is, isn't it? I think, Simon, you told me that it opened in the 1840s, yeah. which was kind of high, high point or the beginning of the very long high point of the sort of uh, cult around death in Victorian times. And if you remember Oliver Twist, one of his jobs, poor little chap, at the beginning of his uh, story was to put on a, a mourning outfit and a big black uh, top hat and walk. Uh, in front of the cortege, looking very, very sad. He was only five, so, you know, he would touch all hearts. Nobody knew that he'd been, you know, given forms to do it. And I think this is all part of that remarkable era when death was always imminent, wasn't it? And um, children, of course, died unpredictably very, very young. I mean, I know it's a bit of a gruesome thing to say, but one thing about the Covid Nineteen is that it hasn't been a disease of children, which an awful lot of these epidemics were. And even in the 1950s, um, my own husband, uh, Stephen, he suffered Asian flu, which uh, killed about uh, 20 million people wo- worldwide. But it did, in fact, kill mostly children. So, you know, one thing I don't know whether to be thankful for in this difficult time, but you've got to look for a few little... chinks of light and of
1: course this graveyard when it was founded in 1848 was founded as a response to the cholera epidemic which came in from India and its point of origin was in Bengal and it was brought to England by sailors and and rapidly spread and they didn't know what they were going to do in terms of um, burying all the people and rather like Covid they had no way of knowing how to treat this disease which was a new disease to the British authorities then and they didn't really know how it was spread either so they they were in similarly similar circumstances and similarly dark times in terms of medicine and they founded this graveyard and um, specifically for that purpose um when it was originally founded but but i think one of the things that you notice here is that um people's attitude towards you know when you have a high degree of mortality and everything was to make, an enormous, make enormously elaborate um, you know, arrangements for all of these things, you know, in graveyards and what have you, because they catered for them, but they also catered for them in a very artistic way.
2: Yes yeah, yes, yeah, certainly. Yeah. Well, it's extraordinary. I didn't know cholera came from India, but certainly it hung on a very long time because where I was born in Keithley in the nineteen in Yorkshire in the nineteen twenties, they had a cholera outbreak, and it was associated with crowded conditions of the mill workers lived, and they they couldn't contain it. Yeah but i think this is the uh this era was the era of john snow not the um famous newscaster but his his uh, his ancestor who set up some of these environmental health um p- places in britain which have been sadly um i was hearing last night decimated by austerity cuts. We might have been a bit more prepared if those had been up and lively when when, uh, COVID-19 broke out
1: well their concerns then were the same about transmission and contagion which they believed that you breathed it in that it was it was a smell that you breathed in that that spread cholera and also that touch was important the objects you touched and and touching people and that's all they knew about it at that time which is pretty much what we knew about the spread of um, covid you know as it arrived in britain well let's move on a little bit from here As you walk down the the established paths, and of course we're keeping social distance here and uh, um, and staying apart from each other, we've we've got our own microphones and we're staying a good five yards apart as we take our exercise session here. Um, And we're staying to all the established paths in the graveyard without deviating Um, but there are lots of kind of um, forgotten pockets of the the graveyard around the um, edges Um, and we're just going to go into one of them to have a look at uh, at what's in there just before we do that look at look at this wonderful um, uh, gravestone of edith alice yes she had a bubble too and a a very um, illustrious gravestone which is um, an enormous sort of stone well it's a stone square plinth um, with a kind of neoclassical um, vase on the top, and it's in a kind of brown marble. So this is in loving memory of Edith Alice, a dearly beloved wife of Thomas J. Jakins of Outwell Wisbeach, who died on November the twentieth, nineteen seventeen, aged forty-one years, and also of her husband Thomas Jakins. But I mean, it just shows the artwork involved. It, it, you know, in some of these graves, it's, it's quite uh, phenomenal and really worth seeing, isn't it?
2: It is really. This is a relatively recent one because um Thomas I think it's John Thomas Y Jenkins I wonder what Y stood for he's the husband poor Alice Edith Alice died aged 41 but her husband wasn't long behind died March twenty seventh, 25 aged 48 1925 48 so to part no more only apart for 7 years so so sad
1: OK, so this little path takes you through um, to a little area through here. So, um, and obviously you have things like, um, you know, you've got these um, military graves. Um, and then you notice all the way along the back here, there are masses of, of kind of forgotten areas of the graveyard which have um, things like this um, this. Grandiose um one with a, a tremendous angel holding a cherub um, engraved into the stone work and, and that's a good 10 feet tall um, which also has this wonderful um, sort of, uh, is that an urn or a vase on the top yes, in stone um, with floral works on it?
2: Yes it's an urn and the angel is swooping up she, and holding a little child of about two or three taking him up to or her up to heaven rather heartbreaking really the ages that people had to leave their children
1: and, and you can see so many of these um wonderful um stone w- works I, I would say they're works of art some of them um huge stone chests and every single one of these um things are um are, are little works of their own in between and they're, they're really quite something tucked right against the tech wall of the graveyard
2: well there's one here i think we've gone a bit too far with is just completely covered by ivy. So you think that perhaps a little bit of weeding this ivy out judiciously and not losing the lovely romantic gothic feel might be a good idea because literally you can't see anything of
1: I think also the vegetation in this graveyard is very wide and varied, and it would interest a a botanist quite a lot. In so much as um, there there are um, so many different types of vegetation and plants um, growing around um, everywhere, Um, and they're they're absolutely, um, uh, you know, um, an absolute oasis for wildlife.
2: Well, you don't want to tell the council their job because they're doing a brilliant job, but I think perhaps a few removal of these brambles, but then you can get people too enthusiastic and they lose the whole, as you say, atmosphere of the...
1: Well, um, there's a group called um, the Friends of Mill Road Cemetery who try to look after this graveyard and raise funds for it and and everything else, but you can imagine how, how much time and effort it would take to keep it absolutely square, you know, with so many graves.
2: I mean, you can see how people were very religious... You know, they, had, they had the belief and an earnest and, and heartfelt belief that they would be just separated for some time from somebody like Caroline Annie, buried here, and then reunited. It was a very deeply Christian society, I imagine.
0: You're listening to Arts Roundup on Cambridge 105.
1: Look at all these wonderful little vistas, you know, that you find um, with paths going through. It makes it tremendously interesting to explore because there's so many many uh, really so wild areas, brambled areas, areas full of... Cow snips, and then there are all these little paths that go through, and and you always hear things scampering off in front of you (laughs) into the bushes. So, you know, I mean, I've been doing some photography around here with some of the the bird life and what have you, and and you can catch some absolutely beautiful um, uh, birds, you know, um, perched on some of these things sometimes and get very close to them.
2: Gosh, that's an interesting memorial, Simon. Two enormous obelisks. Uh, the same height and design. And um, one is to Clara Ann Baker and another
1: one, I can't see the name. William Paul Roughton. So, yeah. And those are a good 11, 12... 13 feet tall, so um, absolutely tremendous, um, like Cleopatra's needle, to, a pair of them just tucked yeah. away between some trees um, and those are quite spectacular. And you can see that that grave has been damaged as well, the one next yeah. to it. Someone has just pushed it off its... Um... Do you know,
2: it wouldn't take much for some, um, some uh, stout blokes to lift that up and reinstall it, would it? Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think it's wonderful what's been... Oh my goodness, here's a kind of you know, little crypt.
1: And, and then look at this. Um, yeah. Um, so I mean, that's an amazing piece of Victorian artwork, isn't it? I mean, it, it's um, it, it must have taken them ages to make the, that. And, and how on earth they got it here? It must have come in pieces. You know, it's a big um, square, double fronted, but it's I don't know what you would call that in architectural terms, but
2: it's a, a Gothic, um, Gothic yeah. arch with a decorated you know, pointed faux window and it's as if it's a a stained glass window without the glass and then you look through and you see that it's uh, in the same vault oh it's a vault here lies the body of Elizabeth, mother of James Ratty probably of Ratty and Ket the builders uh, I'm sure you'd have to have um, some money to get a wonderful um, vault like this, and I think what happened with these um, vaults is you paid for them, and then as various f- um, family members died, you put them in, and so you can just uh, inscribe on the on the outside. Yes, it's rather interesting to see some famous local names like uh, like that.
1: Could well have been. Yeah. 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 OK, on to the next reading, shall we? We're now by the, another one of the monoliths up near the lodge with a song called Thrush on it, which has an extract from a piece by Robert Browning, which um, Anne's now going to read for us.
2: Well, it's a very famous poem. <laughs> Home Thoughts from Abroad by Robert Browning. Oh, to be in England now that April's there, and whoever wakes in England sees some morning unaware that the lowest boughs and the brushwood sheaf round the elm tree bowler in tiny leaf while the chaffish sings on the orchard bower in England, now. And after April, when May follows and the white-throat bills and all the swallows, hark where my blossomed pear tree in the hedge leans to the field and scatters on the clover, blossoms and dewdrops at the bent sprays edge that's the wise thrush he sings each song twice over lest you could think he would never recapture the first fine careless rapture and though the fields look rough with hoary dew all will be gay when noontime wakes anew the buttercups the little children's dower far brighter than this gaudy melon flower.
1: Robert Browning, who died on the twelfth of December 1889, was an English poet and playwright whose mastery of the dramatic monologue made him one of the foremost Victorian poets. His poems are known for their irony, characterization, dark humour, social commentary, historical settings, and challenging vocabulary and syntax. When Browning died in 1889, he was regarded as a sage and philosopher-poet who, through his writing, had made contributions to Victorian social and political discourse. There are at least 21 different firms of stonemasons whose work is represented in Mill Road Cemetery. A few of these firms were active at least as long ago as the middle of the 19th century, and some of them are still in business today, like Iverton Reed of Newmarket Road. If you take a close look around, you'll find enough symbolism and artwork to occupy graveyard historian Lucinda Lampton for a good month or two. And lots of artistic surprises on the more ornate stones from the inventive masons harking back to an age where people felt more had to be made of the end of a Christian life. And then this is the the lodge, which um, has to be... It, it has this kind of um, gothic architecture, and it's just been renovated here. As you can see, it's got a um, an extension on it. But it's one of the most odd buildings in Cambridge, not so much because it's architecturally that strange, with its um, very pointed, um, uh, um, what, what, I'm not quite sure what you call those, um, uh, pointed sides to the, the building, but also that it's, and it's such a strange position in life isn't it sort of posited here on the edge of the graveyard and that's where all the custodians um, lived all the graveyard custodians who had specific duties in order for the the running and management um, of it Um, and I I mean I don't know who lives there now but I'm sure we could find out but uh, that's an interesting building. Um,
2: It's very it's 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 very uh, romantic in itself like a, a pointy roof. It's got one, two, three, four, five pointy roofs mm. all round it and a, a, pe- a, a stone-dashed, well, it's a bit like a little witch's uh, cottage out of Hansel and Gretel, right next to this rather brutal uh, 60s building for the, oh, the, tech, the tech, Anglia Ruskin University but marvellous to see those two. What a lovely garden around there as well.
1: The Gothic Lodge, built in around 1858, has recently been partly renovated and is arguably one of the most odd and solitary pieces of architecture in the city, like something from a Harry Potter tale and has housed a chain of cemetery custodians. Historically, the custodian was in day-to-day charge of the running of the cemetery and he was also a special constable and he lived in the lodge. The custodian's duties are as follows courtesy of the Mill Road Cemetery website the custodian who was also a special constable was in charge of the entire burial ground duties of the custodian the following list of duties forms part of the printed document entitled regulations dated 7th of November 1848 and the first two clauses concern general regulations that there shall be a custodian appointed by the board at weekly wages who shall have the lodge rent and rates free. He shall be sworn a special constable, and that his duties shall be to maintain order in the grounds, to keep a register book appointments for funerals, so as to prevent funerals clashing, to keep the paths clean and in order, and also the edges of the grass cut to a width of one foot, to keep the chapel clean, to keep the avenue in order, to lock the gates at appointed times, that the custodian shall not be allowed to receive any fees or undertake any duties other than the above unless specially permitted by the Executive Committee, that to meet the cost of the custodian's salary and such further expenses of cleaning the chapel and of all other works as left of the care of the Executive Committee, and for which the interest of the repair fund is either inapplicable or insufficient the incumbents and church wardens of each parish and district council will be requested to agree a payment of one pound ten shillings per quarter that the custodian have power to enter the various portions of the ground for the purpose of exercising his office as constable that no worker in stone brick metal or wood be allowed to undertake any work in the grounds without exhibiting to the custodian a written permit from the incumbent or someone on his behalf in the ground of whose parish the work is to be done, authorising its execution. So it was indeed a very solemn office, being the custodian. The next sculptural stone is entitled Blackbird and features a poem by R.S. Thomas.
2: A blackbird singing. It seems wrong that out of this bird, black, bold, a suggestion of dark places about it, that there should come such rich music as though the footnotes all were changed to a rare metal at one touch of that bright bill. You have heard it often, alone at your desk in a green April, your mind drawn away from its work by sweet disturbance of the mild evening outside your room. A slow singer but loading each phrase with history's overtones, love, joy, and grief learned by his dark tribe in other orchards and passed on instinctively as they are now, but fresh always with new tears.
1: Ronald Stuart Thomas, 29th of March 1913 to the 25th of September 2000, published as R.S. Thomas was a Welsh poet and Anglian priest who was noted for his nationalism, spirituality and dislike of the Anglicisation of Wales. John Betjeman in 1955 predicted that Thomas would be remembered long after he himself was forgotten. M. Wynne Thomas said he was the Alexander Solzhenitsyn of Wales because he was such a troubler of the Welsh conscience. He was one of the major English language and European poets of the 20th century. As you can see here, there's an orange ticket on the tree from cambridge city council saying notice of seized items for illegal camping and this is where the rough sleepers were pitching their tent you know during the lockdown in order to have somewhere to shelter at night and of course they left all their things here zipped up in their tents and the council just came along while they were out and um, removed them all it kind of you know the cruelty of it sort of hits you doesn't it
2: what you do hope and i have heard that Quite a few rough sleepers have been very happily rehoused. They didn't especially want to be in little empty hotels and things like this. Certainly, I've seen one or two interviewed not in Cambridge but in uh, in London, and it does show them when you've been out in the uh, sleeping rough for a long time to get to get a proper room of your own must be after a while. Get your things back. Well,
1: I just hope the Cambridge hotels have um, done the same thing as hotels elsewhere, which has opened up some rooms for them um, during this crisis.
2: Yes, yeah, I bet they have.
1: And and then you've got this this one here with this enormous um, railed fence around um, and a a square stone um, obelisk for um, Frank. As a whole family. Yeah. Right. Okay.
2: Well, I think it's a whole family, it's a whole family. Yeah, right. and uh, it's yes, it's a rather strange uh, wrought iron, very wrought into uh, barley sugar rails, and um, it's keeping safe, this um, plinth, but I've got a feeling that on that plinth there must have been a been statue.
1: Which has been knocked off again, it's been knocked off, it's here. So basically, the graveyard has been vandalised. The 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 railing has been cracked on this side, and the and the the top part of the plinth has been thrown off. So I mean, it's it's uh, it's a really serious problem for for all of these beautiful graves. Uh, It seems to me they want to destroy the most pleasant graves as well. You know, the most uh, um, uh, the most ornate ones. You know, that's that's that seems to be what's happening, don't you think?
2: I think it is just an adolescent craze for coming here and doing damage because I have heard of this before but not on this scale but it's just that very destructive attitude to things that
1: and then uh, as we're going down um, down towards the, um, the Cambridge Blue Pub which obviously um, in a wonderful way has a style which you can go across into their back garden for a drink after you've been round but um there's this little grotto here, can you see this uh, in between all the bushes that you can walk into the middle of it and then there's a um a kind of a very old grave in the middle of it um completely surrounded in its own little grotto um with a celtic, celtic cross yeah
2: with a celtic cross well a kind of it looks as if it's a it looks a bit like a an anglo saxon monument rather than and um on it it says uh, in loving memory conrad ballister Ballister who died october 1910.
1: conrad ballister yeah so it's it's amazing that's grown up around that in such a way that it just completely it's like a keyhole in the bushes and in the middle of it is this splendid grave many people have discovered there are numerous good sunbathing spots which have been attracting lockdown lizards who have been careful to stay apart during their exercise sessions and conversations have taken on a vaguely new form as people stand five meters apart and converse in raised voices like actors on a stage this is the robert Frost. okay
2: on a bird singing in its sleep a bird half awakened in the lunar moon sang halfway through its little inborn tune, partly because it sang but once all night and that from no especial bush's height, partly because it sang ventriloquist and had the inspiration to desist almost before the prick of hostile ears. It ventured less in peril than appears. It could not have come down to us so far, through the interstices of things, ajar, on the long bead chain of repeated birth, to be a bird while we are men on earth, if singing out of sleep and dream that way had made it much more easily a prey.
1: Robert Frost, 1874-1963, to 1963, was perhaps the last major American poet to be acclaimed by literary critics and the reading public. The chapel in the middle of the graveyard is no longer there, having been demolished in 1954, but it leaves a distinct stone-marked space. It's been the subject of an archaeological test-pit dig when they found evidence of an Anglo-Saxon burial inhumation remains dating back to between 4.10 and 10.65, and a carved architrave. It's thought the floor of the chapel could still be excavated and revealed. Such a spot could arguably be employed for public artwork or even open-air drama productions in future, though such talk is positively treasonable to some. Expanding the art aspect of the cemetery in summer could bring in badly needed revenue. Nearby a large forked log is inscribed Dove, with passages from Psalm 55.6, which is heavy-duty religious stuff, as you'll find out.
2: To the chief musician, on Neginoth Mashil, a Psalm of David, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me, and hear me. I mourn in my complaint and make a noise because the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me and in wrath they hate me. My heart is sore pained within me and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me and horror hath overwhelmed me. And I said, oh, that I had the wings like a dove and then I would fly away. And be at rest. Lo, then I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness. Silla. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. For I have seen violence, strife in the city. Day and night they go about it upon the walls thereof. Mischief also and sorrow are in the midst of it. Wickedness is in the midst thereof. "'Deceit and guile depart not from her streets. "'For it was not an enemy that reproached me. "'Then I could have borne it. "'Neither was it he that hated me "'that did magnify himself against me. "'Then I would have hid myself from him. "'But it was thou, a man, mine equal, "'my guide, mine acquaintance. "'We took sweet counsel together "'and walked unto the house of God in company.' Let death seize upon them, and let them go down quick into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning, and at noon, will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. For there were many with me. God shall hear and afflict them, even he that abideth of old. Selah. Because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. He hath put forth his hands against such as be at peace with him. He hath broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved, but thou, O God, shall bring them down into the pit of destruction. Bloody deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in thee.
1: It'll be some time before you can enjoy a walk through the cemetery and then retire over the stile into the back garden of the Cambridge Blue Pub. It it has to be said that the cemetery is a priceless local asset to the community, especially when we're all boxed in and need somewhere to stretch out for a while. You can find out more about the cemetery in a visit to millroadcemetery.org.uk and the county records. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Cambridge Arts Roundup with Simon Burton and Anne Garvey. And I hope you enjoyed listening in on Cambridge 105.
0: Cambridge 105 Radio.